0: Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I am Seth Liebson, and I am uh, delighted to uh, have rejoining us uh, for what must be his fourth or fifth time with us. I'm glad to have him. He is uh, Brett Johnson, a uh, partner with the law firm here in town, Snell and Wilmer. Uh, Brett Johnson, in full disclosure, has been and is one of my attorneys. But more importantly, he uh, was uh, an attorney involved, the lead attorneys involved, at the, uh, certainly at the trial level and co-counsel as it went up to the Supreme Court, the case that, uh, Supreme Court, the case that everyone is talking about today, which is Brnovich v- versus DNC. A six to three victory for common sense, a six to three victory for the Constitution, a six to three victory for Arizona, a six to three victory for my guest and his colleagues, Brett Johnson. Brett, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, thank you for doing it. Third of all, thanks for joining us to talk about it.
1: Thank
0: you, Seth, and thank you for having me. You betcha, you betcha. You, you, and uh, your colleagues at Snell and Wilmer are worth your weight in gold. I know you can't say it, but a friend of mine said it well when she said Snell and Wilmer just doesn't lose. You can say you don't have to say a word. Brett Johnson, <laughs> tell me what was at stake at the case today? A case, by the way, that was denounced by Joe Biden quite strenuously.
1: Yeah, no, it was definitely a big case today. And, um, you know, it goes, it goes back. It's changed names several times. So sometimes I get confused about uh, all the different <laughs> players that came in and out of this over five years. But, um, it dealt with, uh, two very important, um, factors for uh, voter integrity in the state of Arizona and actually even for, you know, going way back. The first is the, the out of precinct voting. Um, which encourage people, for purposes of administration, security, making sure not long lines, to have people vote in specific precincts, um, and the importance of you know local candidates. Um, you know, Bill Gates, uh, Suzanne Clapp, Councilwoman Su- uh, Suzanne Clapp, Debbie Lesko, when she was uh, um, in the Senate, uh-huh. the State Senate, they were all they were all parties to this because they understood the importance of, of the local candidates and, the, and winning that, and then. Of course, what we've heard before, and regardless of who's doing it, Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, whoever, um, ballot harvesting, as we call it, and ballot collection, as the other side calls it, um, is is not not appropriate. Um, You know, you you should have confidence that your ballot's going to get to where it needs to be, and and, um, Arizona's smart security mechanisms to ensure that happened uh, and, and made sure that that uh, we, don't, we don't have some of the issues that other states have
0: had. Let's put it that way. Brett, uh, we're talking to Brett Johnson, Snell and Wilmer, uh, one of the lead attorneys on the case uh, that the Supreme Court handed down today, Brnovich versus DNC. Um, I'll talk about the criticisms from on high in a moment. But, Brett, you know, we, we, we find ourselves in this world of, uh, for lack of a better word, neologisms, and, and sometimes it takes a lot of catching up to even understand what's going on. We're dealing with it with regards to things like woke, critical race theory, you name it. But uh, harvesting, ballot harvesting is one of those words that's uh, become familiar to a lot of people over the last five years, but not yet to enough. Could you define what ballot harvesting is, brother?
1: Easy. Um, Ballot harvesting is basically a stranger showing up on your door. Um, Usually, and this was testimony at the trial level, very sophisticated. They have the phones and they say, Mr. Leapson, you have not turned in your ballot. You don't know who I am. Um, How about I turn it in for you? Um, and in, in some cases, those ballots are not completed, um, and then the individual, according to testimony, would complete it in front of the person, which would never be done in the polling place, which you have to have that 70-foot limit, and then hand it to a stranger, and then it may or may not actually get to uh, the actual voting place. There are, of course, great exceptions to that. A family member, a caretaker, um, somebody you live with can can take the ballot. But um, you, you could not go around and collect hundreds, if not thousands, of ballots and leave them in your trunk until after the election day. Which was taking place.
0: Are... It is not a myth that this was happening.
1: There, there, were, there were reports that it was taking place. Um, the, the trial judge definitely heard testimony on it. Has anybody been convicted on it in the state of Arizona? No. But there were a lot of examples, and, and ironically, by Democrats. Um, Councilman Michael Johnson, a Democrat for the city of Phoenix, was one of the witnesses who testified against um, or against ballot harvesting and against the plaintiff's case here because he said that it significantly impacted African-American communities. Um, A former deputy county recorder, Ray Valenzuela, I believe also a Democrat, he, while he was wearing a county election shirt, was approached by an individual who was lying and said that he was a county official who was uh, directed to come pick up his ballot. He testified about that. So there were, um, and then there were uh, uh, incidents down at the San Luis border um, about wide-scale ballot um, harvesting and and the collection um, uh, of that. Now, no criminal charges. Um, the testimony was there. It was under oath, and the, and the trial judge definitely heard that.
0: Brett, um, thank you for that. Uh, I, I appreciate it much, Lee. I, Let me ask you if I understand this right, because this is a case that comes pregnant with all the import and implications of the sainted or vaunted Voting Rights Act, right? The, the, the DNC, the Democratic Party, sued basically the state of Arizona, as I understand it, you correct me here. Uh, for having laws, um, uh, voter integrity, election integrity laws that they claimed uh, uh, had racial implications and 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 crossed uh, the Voting Rights Act, to wit, Arizonans who vote in person have to vote in the county or precinct. I, I'm sorry, have to vote in the precinct, precinct. in which they're they're registered. And second. Um, and if they vote in the wrong one, that the vote isn't counted. And second, as I understand, it makes it a crime uh, for someone, as you said, who isn't uh, a postal worker, or a caregiver, or a family member, um, to collect an early ballot either before or after it has been completed. This is this; these are the two commonsensical laws that have created all this stir and drang. Is that right, or am I missing something as well?
1: Yeah. No, you, you've, you've hit it on the head. Those are exactly um, the different the different laws at issue. You know, the the Voting Rights Act is is, is a pillar of Arizona law, election law, um, and it's meant to enforce the 14th Amendment and definitely has a place. Even the Supreme Court today recognized that the Voting Rights Act still has a place in the United States, but it just can't be abused. And that's that's what the Supreme Court um, came down um, under what the plaintiffs, the DNC, were trying to push on this one and any election law. Um, basically would not have met, met, muster under what, um, the Ninth Circuit's on bond opinion would have done. As the Supreme Court said, and as the district court judge, Judge Reyes said, um, it's easy to, to vote in the state of Arizona. Um, you get 27 days. There's multi, you you mail in the ballot. You could drop it off. You can vote in person. Um, if you're, if you have a disability, you can, you can seek, um, a special board to come to your house. So uh, the Supreme Court reaffirmed that, but also balanced the the need for uh, voter integrity and and just common sense security precautions to uh, ensure that the votes are actually counted. Uh,
0: I want to get into the implications for election reform going forward with you in a second. Brett Johnson um, is our guest from Snell and Wilmer, one of the lead attorneys on this major decision today that uh, the Supreme Court ruled on, uh, one of the lead uh, counsels on this decision. Uh, Brett, uh, one One more thing before I get to the implications going forward at it, at at the base of all this is the allegation was the charge from your opponents, from our opponents, from the democratic party was that these these um these what I would call common sense. Uh, Laws that were passed by Arizona came with a discriminatory intent. This is how you violate or one of the ways you violate the Voting Rights Act. Obviously, a very pregnant and highly charged thing to say. Also, a very typical thing for the Democratic Party to use, I think, in its weaponization of law for politics. But that is explicitly what was not found here. The Supreme Court right, agreed here with you and the findings you had um, established at uh, earlier trials that – what Arizona did had zero, less than zero, racial discriminatory intent,
1: and, and that's and that's right. And and uh, there was testimony, of course, about the political motivations of individuals, um, and and even the Supreme Court acknowledged, you know, some things that may have been said in the press or even um, during during the debating of this legislation. But, um, it, it, really came down hard that you cannot just, um, by, by one person, one legislator's off-cuff comments, um, you know, put that to the entire legislature. And, and they had ruled on that before, um, in a Colorado case. And it was, in fact, Justice Alito who passed, who did that, that, uh, opinion too. So it's, uh, it's really is going to have an impact, especially, um, on the Department of Justice case that, that they are bringing against um, in Georgia on the current elections, which is primarily based off of discriminatory intent. So the Department of Justice is probably going to have to revisit its decision to bring that complaint against Georgia.
0: Brett, let me then ask about that, because thank you for, for, for seeing where I wanted to go here. There are a number of states, including ours, that have a lot more suits pending, as I understand it, but there are a lot of states that are trying to exercise flex their their traditional roles, uh, constitutional roles in uh, election law and in election integrity, away from usurpation that they see in such things as HR or S1, right? So my question is, is this case, your victory today, Brett, is this a a statement? Is this a a precedent? Is this a piece of really good news that tells the rest of the country that the constitutional uh, provisions that vest election law with the states are um, safe and secure right now.
1: I think it does. You know, the, the Supreme Court Justice Alito was very clear that um, when you're evaluating facially neutral time, ta- time, place, and manner election rules, that the laboratories of democracy, which is at the lower level um, of, uh, of of our government, you know, the municipal level, the county level, and the state letter uh, level, have to be have to be respected. Um, that's where we get our laws including our election laws and the the best practices come of it especially when you're dealing with uh, with integrity so i I think that this is going to have a wide ranging impact on future cases um and and quite honestly i think that it will it will cause people to second guess or you know people who want to challenge certain election laws to really ensure that there is a burden because if there is if there's a true burden if it's uh, truly meant to impact minorities. Of course, that 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 has no place in election law in the state of Arizona or anywhere for that matter. But you know, there's a there, you have to you have to prove that you can't just say it. You have to actually have facts to
0: back that up. Yeah, we're not in the realm that a result is uh, ipso facto uh, evidence of a racially discriminatory intent, right? That's that's the world yeah, we're yeah. operating in again.
1: Exactly, and, and it, which isn't cases, always just, the
0: case, by the way, right? I mean, that is not the effort no, no. of the progressive legalized left right now. Their their effort, I think, Kagan is pretty clear in her point on this: is that the result is is, is the cause of racism, ipso facto, right? And, and
2: that
1: that's true. Justice Kagan, she gets exactly what she was was uh, proposing in her in her dissent. But you know, in, in, and the Justice Alito recognized. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially when you're dealing with local elections, there's going to be some burden. There's going to be some burden on Mr. Leveson. There's yep. going to be some burden on Mr. Johnson. Yep. That it, it is just a fact. And, and, and you, but some burden and a mere inconvenience is just not enough. And ironically, you know, when we were arguing this at the district court case and Justice Alito hit on it, not one person got up on the stand and stated that they could not turn in their ballot. Because of uh, the ballot harvesting prohibition.
0: You're yeah, right. 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 Yeah, who who could ever be caught in this trap? Up. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. I mean, that's most of so, most of my, you most know, of
0: my it, listeners, Brett, would you'd be surprised to know would think you mean those weren't laws already? <laughs>
1: that's right. Well, the out a precinct, I mean, it goes back to the 1950s. And, and Justice Alito mapped that out too. 26 states, not just Republican states, have have these kind of provisions on the books. So it was a long, long. Um, history of these uh, of, of these laws that are that are common sense, quite honestly.
0: Yeah, I, no, I think I think that's right too, and, and to the degree that we can restore it is the degree to which uh, we can restore constitutionalism. So again, you you did a great job here, Brett, and a very important one, and I thank you for it um, as the community should thank you for it. But let me ask you in our last few moments um, here, because this case did. Garner a lot of attention. It's front page. It will be tomorrow in print. But the president himself spoke about it today. You don't always have the president speaking about a Supreme Court case. He did so, and he called today's decision a broad assault against voting rights. His words. In our last few moments, what would you say to the president or those inclined to believe him?
1: Well, I mean, uh, I, I would. I, in, due respect to the president, um, he should probably talk to his own Department of um, Justice, who um, filed, and Justice Alito makes reference to this, who filed a letter after he came into office saying, we disagree with the previous administration's approach, um, but we think both laws are legal. So, um, uh, President Biden's own, own Department of Justice recognized the validity of these two laws.
0: Well, Brett... Johnson, congratulations. Thank you for doing this. More to come. You involved in some other litigation that could help vindicate uh, the right of one man, one vote?
1: With that, that, and um, I'm still looking for the Arizona Supreme Court's opinion on on 208. Fabulous. That's going to be the next one.
0: Fantastic. Well, Brett, God bless you, sir. Thank you. Love to the family and all your colleagues who do such great work on behalf of the community and our country. Good deal. Thank you, Seth, for having me. You betcha. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. going to do a little economic talk a little bit in the next hour. I wanted to... Uh, um, I wanted to uh, just say one more thing about that case that came down today we were talking about with Brett Johnson. Um, The notion that simply because there may be disparities in certain results that when you disaggregate the data show a minority participation At a lower level than uh, someone else, some other groups, uh, level of participation, let's just say in this case, African-American voters and white voters. If you live in the world of Ibram Kendi, who wrote How to Be an Anti-Racist, you understand the Democratic National Committee's point of view. As he wrote on page 16 of his book, any policy that produces inequities is racist any policy that reduces inequities is anti-racist if you have a policy it could be the policies brett described that the arizona legislature and governor signed off on and passed that if you don't vote in the precinct in which you're registered your vote won't count it could be a voter id law it used to be known as disparate or I guess it's still known as disparate impact in these kinds of areas of litigation. But just simply because there is a disparate impact does not mean there was a discriminatory and racial intent. And if there is no discriminatory and racial intent, why would you want not want a world that has neutral <coughs> excuse me, neutral and common laws that apply the same way to everyone? Why wouldn't you? If you believe in one man, one vote, why wouldn't you want to have the highest level of election integrity? Have you seen what's going on in the New York City mayoral race? You like that? You like that in the most ad- one of the most advanced cities in the world, if not this country, at least so New Yorkers tell us? And they can't give us an accurate count on who ran for mayor? Because they're including counts that were samples? Seriously? In 2021? And you're telling me there isn't urgent need for election reform? Particularly more so, (coughs) by the way, in these quote-unquote progressive cities, where even the mayor is now, ended up having to challenge his own election board. Because after a certain point, there is so much absurdity you can no longer put up with. You you wonder about what took place in Florida in 2000. And you realize we're 21 years out from this and we still have these problems. I mean, honestly, Jerry Seinfeld said we should have never landed on the moon because afterwards we'd never be satisfied. You know, if we can put a man on the moon, why can't we make a. Medicine bottle that an adult can open up. I don't know. Figure it out. But why can't we have an election system that makes us look like, you know, we're America rather than, you know, Somalia? Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by my friends at Trades Unlimited for all your roofing needs, installation, new, repair, replace, you name it. And they're telling you right now about their particular expertise with foam roofs, which help insulate your home from the extreme Arizona heat, but also from exterior noises, and most importantly, from water leaks. I know these folks at Trades Unlimited. I know them well. I've been down and visited the team and... Warehouse and offices, and I've had them work on my roof. Great people, great work ethic. Why, they have an A-plus rating at the Better Business Bureau. The hot summer sun is perfect, by the way, for foam recoats coats to protect your roof before the foam beneath the coating gets compromised. Quality and service is what you'll come to know with Trades Unlimited. Don't wait until it's too late. Call my friends at Trades Unlimited at 480 or find them online at Trades unlimited.com for all your roofing needs 6025080960 is the number there's another element and aspect to this notion that something is ipso facto racist or discriminatory or 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 brought with discriminatory born of discriminatory intent if indeed there's a statistical or factual person of color, POC, in the parlance of our times who is being affected. The, 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 the same version of this exists with, let's say, the notion that the racial implication defines everything. You have this with Ilan Omar, who says something, Absurd, insulting, and worse, only to find that she will then defend herself against racists who criticize her, though they criticize her on the merits, regardless of her name, country, or religion. Glenn Lauer was speaking about this when it comes to people um, in his community that he finds play this race Trump card way too quickly. I want to tie it to an item in the news with regard to what Lori Lightfoot, the Chicago mayor, said. But first, play me Glenn Lowry. Here he is on his podcast talking to John McWhorter, Glenn Lowry, professor of economics at Brown University.
2: I'm reminded, I was reminded uh, in your description of Janae Desmond Harris's piece in New York Times today of the comment infamously made by uh, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley at some forum where she uh, points out that uh, if you're going to be speaking about race issues as a Black person, we want you to be giving voice to the authentic views and aspirations of Black people. Don't be coming up here as a Black face, but giving voice to a white narrative. Uh, And of course, you know me well enough to know what I think about that. That's, that's just complete bunk. That's, that's playing with words. That's, that's a kind of anti-intellectual uh, tyranny really that you're going to, it's critical race theory. You Actually, know,
0: I don't know if she was thinking. Of
2: it, yeah, And it, it, it's this kind of identity, you know, it's identity politics on steroids. It's now, you know, the quality of argument depends upon the color of the skin of the person who's making it. The, that's it. Uh, legitimacy of, of, of the expression of certain views or values is conditioned on whether or not you're an insider or an outsider. That's this the point. That. The make...
0: quality of argument, you can co- stop it there. The quality of the argument or the legitimacy of the point is based on the color of your skin. Now, you're making fun of me because I cut off the video, which is something you say I, well, I said I never did. Bill is making fun of me because I send him audio and then he says, and then you won't use the whole thing because you'll cut it off and say something like, Okay, that's it. Stop it right. How much more was there to play, Bill? I think we can live without the rest of the 17 seconds by making my point, Glenn Lowry's point. Whereas we're in a world right now where the quality or legitimacy of the argument is based on the race of the person making it or criticizing it. You see that with Ilan Omar. How about Lori Lightfoot today making that very point? mayor of Chicago on a radio show, WTTW, um, uh, 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 last night, she was asked what percent of the criticism she receives is due to her being black and a woman. Guess what she said? 99%. 99% of the criticism she receives. As the mayor of a failed city, nothing about it has to do with the failure of her policies. It's that people in Chicago are racist. The people, theoretically, who put her in office. You don't want to be in a place where you're governing a racist people. Do you? Or calling your votaries and your constituency racists? Do you? Some of my listeners said that uh, it's hard on radio to hear Maynard Ferguson when I play him in the bumper. So we're addressing that. But they didn't say it about his son, Jay Ferguson, and songs like Thunder Island. So there we go. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, uh named, we mentioned this yesterday, she she and, and the House Democrats um, created the January 6th Permanent Select Committee to investigate what happened on January 6th, notwithstanding the fact that uh, several other institutions are doing this, including uh, the Department of Justice. But she has named eight members to this select committee. Uh, no surprises here. Benny Thompson, Pete Aguilar, Aguilar, Zoe Lofgren, Elaine Luria, Stephanie Murphy, Jamie Raskin, and Adam Schiff. Why they're bringing these retreads, Raskin and Schiff, back. Have they not done enough failing upwards? Really? Adam Schiff and Jamie Raskin? There is a Republican. There is one. Who's the Republican, Bill? Lynn Cheney? Liz Cheney.
2: Liz Sorry,
0: Liz Cheney, all of these people who have already made a priori conclusions about what um, what transpired on January sixth, using it of course to uh, I think weaponize uh, uh, weaponize um, the politics that Nancy Pelosi keeps referring to January sixth as an act of white anger, white power, white supremacy. Uh, trying to make the tie between Trump supporters, the on, the ongoing colligation between Trump supporters, red Republicans and uh, bigots, red or uh, described as white supremacists, um, and uh, and uh, and uh, and, uh, and racists. I I I have to tell you, we we really need not stand for this or take this any longer. Um, if you can find me a single conservative recognizable to more than 2 people um or a recognizable republican known by more than 2 people who didn't denounce what happened on january 6th um I'll buy you an ice cream cone. Uh, this, this was universally denounced. I remember myself on that day, I rewrote my monologue because my monologue was on a different issue. And I pulled up just out of interest, what did I say on January? When, when I rewrote it, what did I say on January 6th as it was happening in real time? Well, I'll just give you my opening paragraph. I think that ought to give you the sense. Quote, I set aside my usual monologue to quote Tom Cotton. In these circumstances, the Insurrection Act authorizes to the President to employ the military or any other means in cases of insurrection or obstruction to the laws. This venerable law, nearly as old as our Republic itself, doesn't amount to martial law or the end of democracy, as some excitable critics, ignorant of both the law and our history, have comically suggested. The American people aren't blind to injustice in our society, but they know that the most basic responsibility of government is to maintain public order and safety. He wrote this in the New York Times over the summer about riots in the streets, riots we were told again and again were mostly peaceful, riots that were not. The New York Times editorial page imploded over Tom Cotton's op-ed. My view, it was right then about everything it described And it would be right today as I see what's taking place at the U.S. Capitol. Strong enough, I go on from there. Of course, there is one very big difference between January 6th and the causes that led Tom Cotton to write that op-ed, and it's the magnitude and the defensiveness. The violence of the riots that shook this country this time a year ago led to... Dozens of deaths and billions of dollars worth in damage. It led to mass resignations in police forces from leadership to staff. It led to further pressure on police forces as major communities blew, started defunding them, and as mayors would not stand by their police commissioners and captains. And we're told to stand down and let riders take over police precincts. All all of that, with Democratic Party people defending those actions, all of that, all of that stands in contrast to January 6th, which, as I say, was one day where the members of Congress were back at work that evening in their offices. I'm not trying to justify or excuse or minimize what happened except to the degree that it just wasn't the same thing that took place the summer before which truly was done in the name of race as this was i don't think pronouncedly so so it's an interesting tactic of the democrats that they will they will reap great benefit from because they have a state controlled media i should rephrase that they have a partisan a party controlled media that will back them up on this last summer is to be forgotten totally and wholesale. We conservatives and we Republicans who denounced last summer and the goings on of it were equally denunciatory of January 6th. We have a single standard. We have a very serious single standard. We don't like racism and we don't like riots and we certainly don't like riots based on race or anything else. The riots last summer were. The riot t- won on January 6th was not. And stop with the thousands of the people that broached the Capitol, please. Stop trying to define last summer down and raise January 6th up. It wasn't thousands, it didn't reach a thousand. Doesn't make it happy, doesn't make it good, but neither does the death. That took place there that we simply do not know anything about, I will tell you, as you well know, and as everyone well knows, including Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, everyone knows this. This is not even the dirty little secret. It's just dirty, which is if a- Ashley Babbitt were per Glenn Lorry of a different race, the quality and legitimacy of her life and shooting would be well known by now, as would the perpetrator. Are you telling me the cameras that have captured 450 other people who were involved in the riots and the networking that is involved in that and their arrests would not have had the ability to oversee what was going on that led to the shooting death, presumably by a member of the uniformed police or Capitol Police? Are you telling me we don't have and can't have a video of that or any kind of record of that? though we have enough to capture 450 anonymous people. If it don't gel, it ain't aspic. I'm Seth Leibson. I want to talk manufacturing and economy. When we come back, it's something we haven't done enough of recently. And um, I always get nervous when topics that are important just kind of fade away. I have a great guest we're going to revive it with in just a few moments. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Just so happy uh, to have a little Eric Clapton there. We haven't heard Eric Clapton in a while, but uh, welcome back. We're doing some changes to our bumper music, I think, all in the name of improving. Although, Bill, mm, not so much a few segments ago. I know you thought I forgot. An elephant never forgets. What did, what, what were you doing to us with that song? And. I know you know you erred and sinned by virtue of the fact that you know what song I'm referring to. You threw in a song in our bumper, and it was terrible. It was dissonant. It was discordant. What was it? It was the Tragically Hip with Bob
1: Cajun, a song that I thought should touch your soul. Why? It's a great song.
0: What, about what? about what? Uh, it makes no sense to me. Why well, we but, put...
1: Oh, this isn't one of those words that they had to make up to get the right amount of syllables. Stop Bob it. Cajun. Bob Cajun is a city— a small town in Canada, where they're from.
0: Bob Cajun is?
1: Bob Cajun, It's not yes. someone's name. No. No, it was in Bob Cajun. And how did
0: this music get to
1: you? Long story, has to do with listening to other classic rock stations in Canada, a station in Canada I was listening to, and I thought, where have these guys been my whole life? The Tragically Hip. Wow. Okay. All right, all right, I apologize. You're really sorry. I'm really, really sorry. I apologize unreservedly.
0: Thank you uh, I wanted to uh, I, I wanted to talk about um, the the issue I brought up yesterday which was how these scandal plagued Democrats have seemingly the best inoculation available for the plague only seems to last about two or three days right um, Governor Cuomo the hero of COVID. Nine women of his own party and employee accused him, and his two senators from the state asked him to step down. What happened to that? Ralph Northam, whatever happened to that? How about Eric Swalwell, a member of the Intelligence Committee associating with a Chinese spy? Is is that is that just going to go away too? Adam Schiff is now being put back on to the select committee to investigate January 6th after having been caught lying again and again and again. Oh, this is interesting news. I want to keep an eye on that. This is interesting news. Megan McCain announced she's leaving The View. I know she's not a lot of people's favorite, but she did great yeoman's work there. Interesting to see who they replace her with. Who would be a good replacement? It's not as if those women are that good. But there's four of them, isn't it? And aren't there? And um, it makes the fight a little harder. Who would be who would ABC pick? I'll tell you how convinced ABC is of their convictions, how good they are about their convictions. Will they pick someone we don't really think is that good or I've ever heard of? Or will they make an offer to someone like Candace Owens? Let's find out. That'll tell us a lot. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back.